0: Hello and welcome to FlickrCast The podcast for the Flickr community I'm Brian Campbell And
1: I'm Jason Matthews
0: And this is episode 3
1: uh, And for the second week in a row we have big news Finally Flickr has introduced Photo Replacement Where you can re-upload a picture that you'd uploaded originally And it keeps all your metadata, your notes, your comments, your tags And your favorites, all that is kept intact Fantastic uh,
0: Yes, if you- Yahoo's le- actually
1: listening to us? Or? Well I would like to think so But I don't know if we have that much influence uh, I don't have have you tried it out? For this. Yeah, have, have I haven't tri- tried it out yet. Uh, I have, and I found it a little buggy. Um, my main uses for it is to upload things I uploaded back when I was a uh, a free user uh, to replace right. those things. Um, so that's what I tested it out on. Uh, just one of my old pictures that I'd uploaded uh, back when I first started with Flickr. And uh, what I found... Is it didn't quite work correctly the first time I tried uploading. It didn't replace anything at all. Uh, it told me it was replaced, but it wasn't. So th- I tried it again uh, because mm-hmm. that's that seems to be what most people recommend if something goes wrong is just try it again. And uh, that time, it sort of took. But when I go to all sizes and look at original, uh, it shows the new re- the new resolution for the replaced image. And but when I go to original. Um, The one I see is the one I was supposed to have been replacing. Uh, It's not the high-res one that I uploaded.
0: So it actually records the um, resolution of the new picture, but it keeps the old picture as the image.
1: Yeah, it says uh, right here 2349 by 1590, but the one I'm looking at is 800 by 500 something.
0: Yeah, I was looking through the groups and um, various people have the same problem you're having, so... I think uh this will be fixed rather quickly. Hopefully yeah, it we just, can hope.
1: It just feels kind of beta right now, which is I'm fine with that. I don't care. Um right. at least it sort of works and uh, eventually when it when it gets fixed all the way, I can you know go ahead and and do that cuz I've been wanting to re-upload a lot of these older picks for a long time. Um we are the beta testers. Yeah, we well, yeah. The the Flickr community is uh beta testing a lot of these new features requesting them and beta testing them that's right uh okay you want to move on to listener feedback
0: yeah let's do it so yeah we got an email from richard giles who is an author of an up up and coming book called how to use Flickr: the digital photography revolution um and he said that he liked our podcast and that we may actually be mentioned in his book
1: dude we're totally famous isn't that cool yes And that's Uh, only
0: after two episodes, so... We've got the fame, Uh, next stop,
1: fortune. Mountains of cash for this podcasting thing.
0: That's right. Uh, Apparently, the book is scheduled for release on March 14th of 2006.
1: And uh, you could pre-order it from Amazon.com. Right, and link for that will be in the show notes. He's also got... um, He's also set up a group in Flickr for this. um, And he wants to involve members of the community in, uh, I guess his book is uh in addition to being a how-to um it also focuses a little bit on the community that's growing around and within flickr um so he wants everyone to uh join the community and give him their input that's right if you
0: upload pictures to the group he says they may or may not um be in the book somewhere um comments and suggestions he may um you know add some of your ideas to the book and uh you know, I'll, I'll definitely check this one. Check this one out. Um, Twenty-five dollars is the suggested suggested price right now.
1: Right, and you can, you know, pre-order that on Amazon. Right now, there's not too much in the group pool, but I hope more shows up. Um, cause it'd be nice to see what kind of things he's going to put in there uh, to illustrate the various sections of the book.
0: We got another email from Thomas Hawk. Um, do you want to talk about this one, Jason?
1: Yeah, I'll take that. Uh, oh. He let us know. Uh, about some of the things that are going on behind the scenes in Delete Me that we were not privy to uh, when we recorded our last episode. Um, I I guess a lot of the animosity toward Delete Me... Remember, in the last episode, I said that I didn't know... uh, I couldn't really tell why people didn't like it so much. But according to Thomas, um, there is a lot of uh, drama and such like in the discussion groups for Delete Me that, obviously not being a member of the group... um, we didn't know about so it looks like wait a second Jason
0: actually I I will admit that I joined Delete Me um, for simple curiosity's sake uh, after we talked about it last week Mm -hmm. and um, I just there is no way after joining that I'm actually going to vote vote for someone's photo to be deleted so I'm just a part of the group and that's it so it's kind of hard to play the game without that isn't it yeah, my my original reason for joining was if there's a picture that I absolutely want to see saved, then I'd vote saved, but apparently they frown upon that, and they want you to, you know, participate as much as possible and, you know... Leave so a, would it be safe to say comments. that they
1: prefer to see more delete-me votes than save-me votes?
0: Well, I don't know if that's the preference, but uh, they definitely don't want people to join just to save photos. They want as much participation as possible and... right. Um, especially comments. And that's, that's probably my problem is, um, is I, I don't like to be negative. So, you know, maybe, maybe they're going to kick me out of the delete me group, but I was just curious. So, um, we'll see what yeah, happens with that.
1: I can foresee you getting kicked out of there if you don't, yeah. if you and don't if am, uh, rise to the negative standard.
0: Yeah. And if I am, it's no big deal to me. Anyways, uh, what you were saying about the, uh,
1: yeah. Uh, so apparently there were a lot of problems with the admins there and some of the users have uh, broken off and formed kind of a rebel faction set up another group uh where they can be admins and they have the same basic rules of the game and i guess they say they're trying to be more fair than the admins of the original delete me group uh, as in not banning people for no reason or uh, banning them because they don't like some of their ideas that have been expressed in the group uh, and that group is called Delete Me Uncensored. And...
0: That sounds like um, one of those Girls Gone Wild videos.
1: <laughs> 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 Woo! 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 Delete me! <laughs> 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 um. <laughs> yeah, and uh, they are right now, they're at, a, at 402 members. Uh, are you going to be joining this one, Brian? No. and And nothing against... Uh, the original Delete Me group or this group—it's
0: just—it's not really my thing. But um, you know, he was nice enough to email email us about this, so we thought we'd you know talk about his group a little bit and um, with you know what he said about the other Delete Me group.
1: Right. Yeah. It's it's uh, good to have that other perspective because I was not about to join Delete Me just to find out why people don't like it. Uh, I know enough. I know why I don't like it. So that was enough for me. Um right, right, uh, he also had a lot of other suggestions as far as what we can do with the podcast, and uh some of those we might be able to take on and some of them we might not be able to uh just remains to be seen
0: right so uh thanks, Thomas, and thanks Richard, for your comments and uh all your ideas yes, so we <laughs> we got more news, man <laughs> news of what kind we have two <laughs> interesting um <laughs> Two interesting new cameras coming out. would that be camera news? That's right. Camera news do 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 camera Pwn. <laughs> okay, so um one camera is good and one camera is bad, and I will talk about the one that is good.
1: yeah, and I gotta say i I recuse myself from this discussion because um all right, why don't you see what camera it is and then I'll tell you why I recuse myself from the discussion okay. It is the Nikon D200. Okay, and I've already said before in the first episode that I'm a Canon fanboy, but because I've already invested in a Canon SLR system with lenses and everything, Nikon News just goes under my radar. And I don't, I mean, I might see it, but it doesn't... Right. I, I well, don't pay attention one way or the other. Right, but
0: I think it, I think it's good, though, if, if you did, because then you could kind of compare how um, other digital SLRs are with your, your your current 20d you know laptop. yeah i could
1: compare but see the thing is i can't afford to go replacing uh, a body and uh, and buying into another system yeah so that's true so it's kind of irrelevant that's true all it's going
0: to do is you know if it's worse then whatever you know and if if the camera's better then it's just going to piss you off that you know you can't yeah, you I can't don't, afford to buy
1: it so <laughs> i don't i don't take it that hard i just uh, that 's kind of why i don't pay attention too much but anyway right. continue
0: okay well it's the Nikon d200 announced November first it is a 12 i'm sorry a ten point two megapixel camera and the resolution goes up to three thousand eight hundred seventy two by two thousand five hundred ninety two um, To me, this is a good camera to get if you're looking for um, let's see if you're what, what do you call it a prosumer
1: no, I would well. A I wouldn't say I, I. think of prosumer cameras as being uh, step up from a compact point and shoot, but it still has a fixed lens. I would okay. say anything in the in the digital SLR range is not quite a prosumer anymore. Right. Well, regardless, uh, this it's going to be
0: about seventeen hundred dollars, and the quality is somewhere in between the Canon EOS twenty D and the the new Canon EOS five D although it is a lot closer to the 20D than it is the 20D. Yeah, 50D. That, that
1: was my impression looking at the specs, was that it competed more directly with the 20D. Right, it has a slightly just slightly larger um, uh,
0: se- uh, <coughs> sensor on it than the 20D does, but it is what Was not that full like frame. a 1.5 that was a 1.5 crop, I think? Uh, I'd, I'd have to check again, but it's, it's not full frame, and uh, like I said, 10.2 megapixel, it's got a 2.5 inch LCD monitor on the back. It supports USB 2.0, which is pretty much standard by now. Uh, 5 frames per second, continuous shooting mode, and an, a nearly instant power up time. So, you know, if there's something you need to take a picture of quickly, um, it's it'll be ready. Right. So um, uh, There's
1: something I notice here in this DP review uh, article about it that does intrigue me. Wi-Fi and, and GPS support. I don't know if that means you have to get like an extra, some kind of add-on to enable the Wi-Fi and GPS, but if not, if that was built into the camera, that would be uh, very nice.
0: Yeah, I've, I've really hoped that, um, see, and see the GPS support confuses me, but the Wi-Fi support is definitely
1: cool. Oh no, the GPS, is that would be great if it was built into the camera, because then with each picture, you have information on where you were when you took it, down to however fine the GPS resolution is. Right. Uh, if you look on Flickr for the tag geotagged, uh that that's uh, people will write the GPS coordinates in there along with the geotagged tag and it tells you exactly where in the world it is. This and there's the all cam- kinds of applications with that, you know, using that with uh Google Maps or Google Earth or some kind of other mapping software too.
0: Right. This could be the camera for them, you know, if it means um carrying carrying around one last piece of equipment. Mm-hmm. Um also, here they claim that a new rechargeable lithium ion battery called the EN EL3E uh, delivers enough power to support up to 1,800 images on a single charge. So that's, that's not pretty bad. nice. Yeah. Uh, it's available, looks like December sometime, and uh, 1700 bucks for the body only. So I bet they get have, that
1: right around Christmas time. Yeah, so if you it have. Just seems like something
0: if you have canon lenses like jason then you know stick with the canon digital slrs and if you're like me who doesn't have a digital slr then this may be one that you can consider
1: yeah that's what most people do they get a body first i think and then buy lenses for that and from then on they're they just stick with that brand yeah Uh, and there's nothing wrong with that because brands don't typically change their lens mounts very often so we have another camera not quite a camera camera part Uh, Sharp introduced uh, a CCD imaging sensor and I'm gathering that this is for what I I defined earlier as a prosumer Uh, larger than a compact point and shoot but still with a fixed lens that you can't change it's a 10 megapixel CCD sensor Um, and this seems to me like just a way to fleece the consumer because it, I think it's putting megapixels over image quality. Oh, and yeah. yeah, what I mean by that is it may be 10 megapixel, but the images that are going to come out of this are not going to be what you could expect from, say, a 20D that's 8.2 megapixels. Because or like it's the in-
0: camera I just mentioned, the uh, 10.2 or Nikon. It's not definitely, like yeah. That that.
1: Yeah, that's an even better comparison. I should have thought of that originally. Okay. Um, anyway, this this new ccd from sharp uh is one and 1.7 inches so pretty tiny it's not um it's not even aps-c size yikes but they tried to cram 10 megapixels on there and see the problem with that is the more megapixels you try to put onto a small sensor the less light gets to each individual pixel so the result of that is much higher noise lower dynamic range uh duller colors and eventually, just more post-processing that you have to do for an overall lower quality image. That's right. But I think they're relying on people going to the store and looking at megapixel count only and not factoring in any of the other uh, factors that lead to image quality.
0: That's right. I mean, you know, Joe Sixpack out there, when he's looking for a digital camera and, and knows you know, hardly anything about it, he's going to look at the megapixels.
1: Right, that's the one thing most people know is that if you're going to buy a digital camera, look for the one with the most megapixels. But it doesn't always mean the best quality.
0: And I have to say that um, for this size of sensor, probably the best camera I've seen is a Sony that is actually 7 megapixel. But higher than that, it's going to get noisy. So, um... And, I, and I'm not sure which Sony this is. I have it somewhere,
1: but uh do you remember seeing pictures for that? I might have uh, I think when I was shopping around for my my little compact digital, I m- might have seen that one unless it's come out since then
0: right so so would you say uh six or seven megapixels is the max for the sensor size that is
1: yeah it depends it depends on the size of the lens and the size of the camera, which are both going to dictate how big the sensor can be right. yeah five to seven would probably be the ideal range for something that you're going to carry around in your pocket and i just think this effort by sharp is misguided i don't know what they're doing yeah except uh, maybe trying to fleece the consumer and for
0: the record i do like uh, sharp products i like the uh the aquos uh tv it's very nice but uh you know what you just said they're just trying to uh prey on the the weakness of the average consumer okay that about does it for camera news and I'm going to talk about a new tag being used called listening to Uh, this was originally proposed by Fubuki
1: and that's a name that should be familiar to anyone who's been around on Flickr for any length of time he's uh, let's say he's totally Flickr famous
0: yeah he has about 2600 something contacts as of this recording (laughs) so yeah so what is listening to
1: Uh, that's a tag you apply to your images when you want to suggest a song that either you were listening to at the time you took the picture like you know you had your ipod on or something um or you or just a song that kind of goes with the image um right now not too many people are using it uh if you look at the global like the global tag uh menu right in for that tag there's only 44 pics in there um so I, I don't know I really like the idea and I would like to see more people use it um, for myself I only have about three picks tagged with that right uh, and two of them from the same day it was just it was one of those rainy days you know like l- let me give you a little example on these picks that I tagged with listening to mm-hmm. um, it was that kind of autumn day we get here when it's just kind of pissing rain outside and really cold no one's outside uh, the whole world is just, you know, gray and overcast. Um, and you're talking central Illinois. That's not the case for everywhere, but, uh, <laughs> yeah. Mm, yeah, it's pretty common in autumn in central Illinois to have weather like that. Yeah. Um, so I hope everyone can understand, like, what kind of day I'm talking about. And the two pictures I took that day were just really kind of lonely and not, not uh, warm and inviting right but the uh, the song I picked to go with those was a uh, song by Swan Dive called Hometown I don't imagine very many people have heard of it um, not to sound like a music snob or anything but it's just not that you know mm-hmm. it's not uh, it's not in the top
0: 40 and like we mentioned um, either episode one or two I forget how we encourage people to tag their images and more content is better than not enough and for me um, every day of my life i i often um associate a song or some some music with with an object or a a situation a memory etc right it's that whole
1: soundtrack soundtrack of your life kind of thing going on
0: that's right so this is just another part of that when you could look at the picture and then you're like oh i was thinking about this song at the time or you know it gives it more of a feel i guess
1: right or the song fits the mood of this pic for whatever reason and you know maybe you'll say what the reason is maybe you won't maybe you just want to recommend some music to people um but the listening to tag is what you use for all of that yeah i'm going to start using it okay moving on um i want to talk a little bit about a group that i just joined recently it was uh only started in the last week or so not too many people are members yet and i'm hoping to change that because i really like this type of photography
0: it's a great idea Uh, for a group
1: it is um this group is called the grid of life uh, that's GRIT, G-R-I-T. And it's for pictures of places that are kind of run down, uh, kind of rusty, falling apart. The other side of the tracks, you know. Yeah. And there's a lot of these places around me. I mean, <laughs> yeah. this area of the country is, uh, it's it's depressed, you know. Yeah. And I don't mean just mentally.
0: Um, and, and it's not necessarily all poor areas or poor people that's for this group but um, kind of like the other side of the tracks. Um,
1: yeah, areas that that are kind you know, of dodgy. Dreary, depressing. There you go. And, it,
0: and dreary and depressing photos usually don't make it to the groups, and that's where this group comes in, because that stuff still needs to be documented. It still needs to be
1: seen by people. I like the aesthetic of it myself, um, just because I've been surrounded by places like this my whole life. And, you know, what shocks me is that, okay, there's... So right now as we're recording this, there are three of us, I think. Yeah, three of us who have submitted photos to the pool. And my pictures from Springfield, Illinois, uh, and their pictures from Calgary, look, you you almost can't tell the difference. It's like all these places have exactly the same look. And everything's kind of gray. The colors are washed out. It's just a little...
0: Kind of has an unkempt look to everything. Yeah, there,
1: there you go. It's kind of banged up a little bit, Mm -hmm. Uh, kind of rusting and rusting, unwashed. Some windows are broken. You know, it's a little dirty. And this is—I'm just talking here about the the pictures of architecture and things like that. I mean, there are some photos here too of the people that are in these uh, kind of depressed areas, Um, Mm -hmm. and those are every bit as worthwhile. Though I, I have to say, some of them feel a little. Mm -hmm. Um, Exploitative, maybe? Um, I could see that. One in particular of a guy sleeping on a bench. I don't know. That's just me. I've always found pictures of, you know, homeless people to be kind of, uh, I don't know. They're being uh, used (laughs) sometimes. Yeah, I was trying to think of a better way to say that. But sometimes it it does look that way, even though the picture might be nice. Uh, I just, for myself, I don't think I'd have... The guts to go up and take someone's picture like that,
2: right?
0: I, you know, I'm not not to say
1: not to say that these people are wrong for having done so, but um, you've submitted some really good pictures to this one. I like the uh, ready little hole in the wall. Oh, that's yeah, that's from when we used to work in in downtown Springfield, uh, which is uh, most of it's on the wrong side of the tracks. I think, you know, as if you step into the wrong alley or well you know, whatever, everything's pretty much falling apart off the main roads.
0: Yeah. But the the perspective is nice on this one and uh and it, it really it really fits well with the group I think because it you know, this looks like it could be a bar thrown in here in the future and you have some grass in there but it, a lot of uh you know, rocks in there and just kind of areas where there's no grass and stuff. It's it's hard to explain, but uh for the listeners they might want to check that one out.
1: Okay. I may not link to that one in the show notes, because that's like tooting my own horn. You yeah, know, I don't like doing that too much. Exactly. I'm not very good at self-promotion.
0: <laughs> but I just had to be honest here. There's not a whole lot of pictures in this group yet, but uh, that's that's one of the better ones, I think. But uh, there's some other good well, ones, Well, thank you. And I, and I encourage people to submit their own.
1: Yeah, yeah. I, I encourage people to join and hopefully to post some discussions, because uh, no one's posted any topics yet, and I'm not really sure where to start off. I would uh, start a new topic if I could think of one, but I'm not quite sure where to go with that one. And I might want to see more photos in the pool so I could have more of an idea of what people are thinking for this group uh, before I would want to start a topic there.
0: Okay, as you know, we uh, primarily focus on Flickr and the community that surrounds it. However, I wanted to call attention to um, this website I found outside of Flickr because I thought it was interesting, and uh, what it is is an example of fractal food, and this was uh, submitted by John Walker, and he has several pictures of this, and uh, he really goes goes into some detail. But uh, basically, he says, after moving to Switzerland, I came across a, and p- forgive my possible mispronunciation here, ciao romanesco, like the one above in a grocery store. This is so visually stunning of an object that at first it's hard to imagine you're looking at a garden vegetable rather than an alien artifact. This looks really weird Um, I've never seen a vegetable that has looked like this ever Uh, The English translation is called Romanesco broccoli. Have you ever seen this, Jason?
1: Is it uh, broccoli or is it a cabbage or cauliflower? It kind of looks like all three yeah that's just just
0: it. and um, and no one can decide which which family
1: it belongs into. It has a little bit of well, Why col- don't you describe what's uh, what looks special about this? because uh, people who haven't seen it yet are not going to know what makes it so extraordinary. So yeah, if you're looking at this this vegetable, it's it's basically a fractal,
0: and basically that's a a pattern um, that's repeated throughout the entire object and it's no matter which which side you're looking at it from it'll appear to be the same and uh this is something that's occurring in nature it's not just you know someone's work of art where they decide to make a fractal based image and uh right
1: and the main characteristic of a fractal is that uh the large size you know if you if you zoom out and view it large uh will look identical or extremely similar to the closest view you can get of it
0: one thing i wanted to point out about this picture is the color um it almost looks like a a neon green or or the closest you could get to neon green in nature um right he calls it
1: radioactive green radioactive at one point in the article
0: that's a close that's that's a better one (laughs) so uh this is kind of a a freak vegetable um
1: yeah and I, i didn't i didn't get whether he uh did he just find one example that looked like this, or do they all look like this they They all look like this hmm. as far as I could tell
0: um he He really goes into some detail on this website and he starts talking about how the universe wants to um you know conform with mathematics and you know repetition and all this other stuff that
1: you know may or right, he not. goes into a lot of fractal geometry right um so, information
0: so, so that part may or may not be interesting to you but uh he does say it's excellent raw and <laughs> uh crunchier than cauliflower but not as bland i'll have to take your word on that yeah he says it doesn't have a chalky edge fair. to it like people dislike in broccoli so if i ever see this i may try it <laughs>
1: sounded like it was kind of rare. Yeah, I've certainly never seen anything like it. I'll tell you what it reminds me of though. There is an artist named Alex Gray, and if you're a fan of the band Tool, he did the album artwork for their fourth album Lateralus. He does a lot of this kind of design where it's it's like a little triangle spiraling out in sort of a lotus blossom shape. Right. I've seen this a lot in his artwork and that's just what it reminds me of when I look at this. Um, something he might think kind of a of. mandala. look yeah and we'll have the link to that in the show notes it'll be available at flickercast.com and while you're there you can leave us comments and email us our email address is flickercast at gmail.com
0: also on our website we're going to have a link to podcast alley so if you'd like to vote for us you can yes please make us more famous we'd greatly
1: appreciate that tell your friends and your enemies and then tell your friends again and And then they tell two friends and they tell two friends and then they tell a monkey and the monkey tells an alligator
0: and ancient Chinese secret, huh? (laughs) yeah and non sequitur
1: (laughs) (laughs) okay uh, I think we need to be getting out of here for today before we get too random that's right this has been Flickercast episode 3 I was Jason Matthews and I'm Brian Campbell and we're going to leave you with one of my favorite indie groups of all time called Sunset Room this is a song we played a little clip of for the theme music and we're just going to take it out of here with the full song. Yep. So I'm not too sure on the creative commons license. I don't know if I'm okay or not, but we'll risk it. And uh, if we get sued, you guys can come to our aid. Yep. Song's called smoke. So we'll talk to you next time. Enjoy. Bye. 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 Bye.
2: To just float from me like the smoke in my eyes, I can barely see. Up, up, down, down, left, right, left, right, BABA, select, so
0: let's start.